right, he went up nine extra floors <laughs> just to be with her. You know, every marriage has a story. And if we were to take a microphone out there, I'm sure that we could find out from you what your marriage story is. But Robin and I have our own story, so we'd like to give you welcome and greetings from Nashville, Tennessee. It is so good to be with you, and uh, Robin even made it as we were driving up. Uh, she was terrified. Barely. She was trying to help the driver drive. I was. He needed help. <laughs> His name is Art. Is he in here? <laughs> yes. Well, it's great to be here. It's so beautiful in the Hume Lake area, and uh, we are glad. We want to tell a little bit of our story. Uh, I grew up in Kansas City. I will say this. One of the things that we don't want to do is just come up here as speakers. You have no idea who we are where we're from, and just start talking about marriage or marriage issues. Uh, first off, I want to say I'm very proud of you guys to be here, to take away a weekend. How many of you, we weren't, there weren't very many, but how many of you have been married less than 20 years? You stand up. Let me see how many of you. Stand up. Less than 20 years. Woo. Wow, that's quite a bit. Thank you. How many of you have been married, uh, how many of you have toddlers remain standing? If you have toddlers at home. God bless you guys. <laughs> you might be able to finish a sentence this weekend. <laughs> God bless you. Uh, how many, if you have teenagers, would you stand? Anybody here with teenagers? Yes. We need to lay hands on you yes, and pray for you. Yes. Anyone here that are grandparents? Let me see you. That's the magical. Man. Yes. Woo! Grandparenting. We should have skipped right to the grandparenting, right? Yeah. <laughs> we love it. You may be seated. Well, we want to talk about our growing up years. Okay, so I'm going to share with you a picture of my family growing up. I was one of 10 kids. Yes, my daddy was military 21 years, and then after that, he accepted his call to ministry. Wow. Now, I don't have a picture of my family growing up. I grew up uh, really opposite of my wife, Robin. I grew up uh, with a family of one brother and one sister, and my mom was primarily a single mother. She was 16 years old when she was pregnant with me. And so we grew up a lot just trying to uh, make it on our own. I remember one of the great things we loved on Fridays when my mom got paid, uh, we would celebrate before someone would, took our check. Uh, so <laughs> that's how we grew up. But Robin grew up very opposite of that with her dad being in the military. Yeah, military takes care of your family. At least back in the day. I don't know what it does now. But back in the day, <laughs> they took care of the families. And so we grew up in a middle class home. We had a home always in Kansas City. And wherever the military sent daddy, we came back to that home. And so I had a pretty stable growing up here. And you know what was weird? I remember when Robin and I met, she told me how her dad paid cash for his cars yes. and that their house was paid off and that everything he did, you know, he paid cash. I was like, and this is a sickness. This was on the first uh, date. I didn't tell him all that on the first date. I just, you know. <laughs> so anyway, we, we grew up in very different ways, but I want to share with you how we met. Uh, I was in Bible college. Well, I need to go back a little bit okay. before then. I didn't go to church as a kid very much. We were the CEOs of church, and I know you've heard of that before, Christmas and Easter only. 
And uh, we loved visiting on certain times, but I remember going into high school, and as I entered high school, somehow there was on my uh, card for my, all of my classes, at the bottom it said, Advanced Drama. Now, as a freshman in high school, I didn't know how they knew. I didn't sign up for this class. How did they know I was going to be a star? And so I remember getting to my drama class and my drama teacher looking at me and she was going, uh, sweetheart, you've got to be a, you can't be a senior. And I said, no, ma'am, I was all of four foot 11. I said, no, I'm a freshman. And she said, well, my class is only for seniors. And if you're a junior, you have to audition. Have you ever had speech? I said, no. She said, have you had drama? No, ma'am. And so I was walking away when she said, wait a minute, I think the Lord has a purpose for you in my class. I was like, what does the Lord have to do with drama? (laughs) And little did I know that he brought into my life a Jesus-loving high school teacher who prayed before class started. And we said, you can't pray. This is public school. She said, honey, Jesus is my boss. Now bow your head. (laughs) And so it was through her that I gave my life to Jesus. And from there, I went to Bible college. And as I was in Bible college, I saw this young lady walk into our student union, and she saw me and was smitten from that moment. Oh, stop. Listen. (laughs) Smitten no way because this black dude over here was swinging around the pole talking about he's singing in the rain. (laughs) Never in my life had I seen that, ever. (laughs) Well, that was our first meeting. Yes. But we really got to know each other. A few months later, I was working at a church as a youth pastor and a worship pastor. She came, uh, applied for, well, it's a lot of circumstances, but she ended up playing piano at our church and we met and it was music made it from heaven. We were really good friends. I don't know about the music, but we were really good friends. (laughs) Okay, now you can go sit down and I'll finish the talk. So as we uh, got to know each other, I, 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 this is the tr- God's honest truth. I was journaling, journaling about her in my journal. I knew that her parents were going to be in Kansas City. They were visiting. I had never been to her house before, but I was very interested in her, wanted to get to know her, had never asked her out, and so I knocked on her door. She answered the door, and what did you say? What are you doing here? And I said, I'm here for dinner. He did. And she said, well, my parents and I and, and another couple, we're getting ready to go out to eat. And I said, well, where are we going? And so I went out to dinner with them that night. It was the first time I'd ever been to her house, met her parents. And then so after that wonderful dinner, the next day I showed up at her house again and her dad was there and I knocked on the door. They let me in and I said, Mr. Campbell, I would love to talk to you. And he said, what would you what do you want to know? And I said, sir, I'd love to know if I could date your daughter. And he said, well, have you talked to her first? I was 23 years old. No, you were older than that. No. Oh, you weren't? Okay. Anyway, so uh, I said, Mr. Campbell, I'd love to date your daughter. And he said, you haven't talked to her yet? And I said, no. He said, young man, I like you. And uh, so that was our first official dating, and we dated for a while, got married, and little did we know that we were going to get married on May 28th. Yeah. Somebody else was married May 28th. May 28th. Yes. (laughs) 
Well, okay. we want to talk a little bit about our, our engagement, too, because after four breakups, oh. truth, the truth sets you free. <laughs> <laughs> but after four, four breakups, we finally got it together. And, and I love the fact that I had a lot of, remember, I have all these sisters, six sisters. And then I had friends, and so I needed room in my, in my wedding to incorporate my friends and sisters. Oh, that's right, because yes. then she, she said, Ray, I want to have 15 bridesmaids. That's right. And I said, Robin, I don't have 15 friends. Yes. yes. And that's true. Yes. So we compromised with 12. <laughs> and I think we have a picture from our wedding. Yes. Uh, there it is. Yes. Way back in 1988. That's right. And so right after, and I, we have a picture of us around the cake, the wedding cake as well. No, there are our we gift. Never, yeah, there yeah. we are. Man, we look so young. Yeah. Let's forget about that. Let's go okay. on. Okay. So <laughs> we went on our honeymoon. It was an incredible honeymoon. Uh, we looked forward to it. And about a week after our honeymoon, Robin caught a really bad cold. And this literally, it was the first time I'd ever seen her sick. And so I had gone to the store, my first honeydew list, and uh, I loved it then. And so I, yeah, I, I loved it then. So I went and got her this cold medicine. <clears throat> and when I brought it home, she said, I better not take that. I was talking to my sister, Gail. She said, I could be pregnant. I'm like, Robin, we've only been married a few weeks. And then nine months later, Rachel was born. <laughs> and when Rachel was about five months old, Robin caught another cold. <laughs> and his name is Ray. Yeah. <laughs> um, when Ray was about five months old, Robin caught another cold. And his name is Ross. I'm not kidding you. When Ross was about five months old, Robin caught another cold and his name is Ryan. And since then, we've had several other colds, Renee, Reagan, Raven, Risa, and Ryland. And uh, so I, I think we have an original picture of them. That was a few years ago. The original 10. The original 10, yes. Now, it, we look a little different. My hair's a little shaggy. Uh, if you can find me back there next to my wife in the red, and that's our kids with our dog, Rafiki. Uh, <laughs> Our well, we're freaky's going down and Rogue's taking his place. Yes, that's... <laughs> Where? His that's your name? I love it. I love it. We can talk later. I, I love that. Well, and then since then, we've added to our family because some of our kids have gotten married. I think we have a picture. That's our family now. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we won't go through all of that. You guys don't need to know all that, but that's the gang. And uh, then we have pictures with some of our grandchildren. We have six grandsons. And we just found out two weeks ago we're having another grandson come August. Yes. And so we'll have seven grandsons, and those are, those are the joys of our lives right now. Yes, they are very, very uh, rambunctious. And then, but this is the real deal right here, this picture right here at the end. Yes. There we go. You know, uh, every family has a unique family fingerprint. And I, I know that uh, all of you come from different places. You, you can take that distracting picture down. <laughs> and I think it was already said that we don't know what, uh, some of you might be very happy to be here. And for some of you, it could be 
that, you know, this is our last straw. We want to try this thing. But we want to encourage you, don't compare yourself to someone else's marriage, someone else's family. Because I think about my wife's family, and I was very jealous. She complained about her family and how strict her dad was, and I was like, I wish I had a father around Mm. to give structure. And she talked about how they couldn't always, uh, they had to pile into their car. And I go, we rode the bus. And so every family has a unique family fingerprint. I don't know if you guys have something to write with, but you may find something or take notes. But I think this is so important that you not just remember what you've learned tonight, but you take it home. Because your family fingerprint is not just for you. It's just, it's for the kids that are coming behind you and the kids that are coming behind them. So remember that, this family fingerprint, that is unique because that's how creative our God is. He's so creative that every single family in this room has a different fingerprint. And that fingerprint is gonna to touch a lot of different people. But the problem is we need to not just touch uh, our fingerprint for the people, but we need to touch our fingerprint so that those that are coming behind us in the communities, in their neighborhoods, all see a picture of God. And your marriage is that. Mm-hmm. And so your marriage is telling a story. And that's what God has made you and designed you with your quirky background and the crazy person you married. And those of you who have children, all the children that they've added, that have been added to your family, God has a unique plan for you. Okay. We're going to do something a little different. And this was from my wife's suggestion. We're going to teach together the whole weekend. But tonight, something, we decided to do something just a little bit different. I'm a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee. And one of the things that I realized is as we talk about marriage, we want you to know that there's something much bigger than just marriage. Now, if you, obviously, we're going to talk about uh, telling your story through companionship. We're going to talk about telling your story through Uh, conflict. We're going to talk about telling your marriage story through connection. But there are other things that are so very important, especially when you talk about the issue of uh, communication. Uh, I want to start out with this particular story. And as a pastor, I know this to be true. This is a story a pastor asked his congregation during Thanksgiving, if anybody had anything that they were grateful for. Have you ever been in a church where the pastor would ask you to stand up and give a word of praise or thanksgiving? Well, this lady stood and she walked to the podium and she said, I have a praise. And she said, two months ago, my husband David had a terrible motorcycle wreck. And there's a lot of motorcycles around here and in uh, this area. He had a terrible motorcycle wreck and his scrotum was completely crushed. She said the pain was excruciating and the doctors didn't know if they could help him. Uh, You could hear, uh, this article says, a muffled gasp from the men in the congregation as they imagined the pain that poor David must have experienced. David was uh, was unable to hold me or the children, she went on, and every move caused him terrible pain. 
She said, we prayed as the doctors performed a delicate operation, and it turned out they were able to piece together the crushed remnants of David's scrotum and wrap wire around it and hold it in place. Again, the men in the congregation were unnerved, and they squirmed uncomfortably as they imagined the horrible surgery performed on David. Now she announced in a quivering voice, thank God David is out of the hospital, and the doctors say with time his scrotum should recover completely. And all the men sighed with relief. The pastor stood up and he tentatively asked if anyone else had something to say. (laughs) I would have done the same thing. A man stood up and he walked slowly to the podium. He said, hi, I'm David. The entire congregation held its breath. I just want to tell my wife that the word is sternum. I know some of you are like, why is he talking about scrotums? I tell that story because that's the way Robin and I communicate. We're talking about the same things, but we're using different words. I don't know where your marriage is this evening or where you find yourself this weekend, but I can tell you that God can do something incredible in your marriage. But before we really get on the issue of marriage, I want to give you a greater purpose and a greater grand idea beyond marriage. And it's this idea. And I would love to, I'm going to do a lot of reading scripture over you. I don't know if you've ever had that done, but it's not going to be on the screen. I'm not going to really give you time to write it down. I'm going to read scripture over you. Because what I want you to experience tonight is God's call on your life and what his desire is for you. His desire is not just for you to have a good marriage. That's a good thing. He wants you to be able to get along with your wife or your husband. He wants you to be able to communicate well or to be able to uh, resolve conflict. He wants you to repair and to rest. But there's something much greater Because if you come away from here knowing only about marriage, we've missed the mark. And so tonight, I want to read scripture over you. I want to remind you of your greater purpose. And it's this, you belong to God. You belong to God. Your life exists for him. You were created for him. Let me say that again. You belong to God. Your life exists for him. You were created for him. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, hints at this from the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It begins with God. He is center stage. He is the one that we belong to from the very beginning. Proverbs 16, 4 says this, and then I'm reading these scriptures over you. The Lord has made everything for its purpose. Romans 1, verse 19 and 20. For what can be known about God, he wants to be known. It's plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world so that they are without excuse. 
Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and praise. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. You were created for him. You belong to him. You exist for him. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things hold together. You belong to God. Your life exists for him. You were created for him. Romans 11, 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given to him that which he might be repaid for from him? And through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Deuteronomy 6.5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Isaiah 43.7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, you are existing For him, you belong to him. You were created to give glory to him. Glory means to shine on, to bring attention to, to give praise to, to exalt. Your life exists to point to God. Isaiah 48, 11, for my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profound? My glory, I shall not give to another. You belong to God. Your life exists him, you were created for him. I think you're getting the idea. Ephesians 1 6, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Ephesians 1 12, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. You were created for his praise and glory. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 6.20, for you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Psalm 117.1, praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples. Revelation 15.4, who will not fear, O Lord, or glorify your name, for you alone are holy, All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. I'll say it again. You belong to God. Your life exists for him. You were created for him. If you are most satisfied in your family, if you are most satisfied in your job, If you are most satisfied in success, if you are most satisfied in sex or money or food or music or health or staying alive, 
If you're most satisfied in any of these things and are not most satisfied in God, then you have diminished the glory of God, says one writer. You've diminished the glory of God in and through your life. And you magnify the glory of what you are most satisfied by. And the Bible makes it clear that we should live in order to display the supreme worth and beauty of God. You belong to him. Your marriage belongs to him. Your life exists for him, therefore your marriage exists for God. You were created for him. What do you find satisfaction in more than you find satisfaction in God? I've been a pastor for 37 years. I had to total it in my mind. 37 years. And what I find most people want is satisfaction in other things than God. At a marriage weekend, I don't want to start out on a negative at all because I think this is the most glorious thing. If you are aiming at having a good marriage, that's too low. If you are wanting just to improve your marriage this weekend, that's too low. If you're just wanting to get away from your toddlers, that's a good idea. No, that's, that's too low. But if you come away saying, I want my marriage to glorify the God of heaven. That's where we set our sights. Not just on getting better, but doing the most of glorifying him. I'm almost done. But here's what I want to say. So glorify God with your life. Glorify him. Adore him. Talk about him. Sing about him. If you rap, rap about him. Draw for him. Exalt him. Praise him. Worship him. Think about him. Idolize him. Magnify him. Be satisfied in him. Seek him. Fear him. Spend time with him. Work for him. Wake up thinking about him. Pray to him. Treasure him. Fear him. Magnify him. Be satisfied in him. Treasure him. Prize him. Admire him. Treasure, uh, cherish him. Honor him. Appreciate him. Respect him. Be devoted for him. Long for him. Delight in him. Meditate on him. Enjoy him. Be faithful to him. And then you will begin, just beginning, to glorify him. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do heartily for the Lord. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord. Colossians 3.17, this is what life is all about. It's making much of him. And so how Robin and I want to start, yes, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of marriage. But before we do that, I want to plant the seed of this. That your desire will be not just to have even a great marriage, but to have a marriage 
that people applaud God about. So, we're all on the same track tonight. You could be sitting here and you're going, man, I've got the worst marriage ever. Well, let that worst marriage glorify God. You could be in here and say, we've got the greatest marriage ever. I would say, sit down. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We've got the greatest marriage ever. Well, let your great marriage give him praise. So we're all on the same level. We all have one goal. You see, you belong to him. Your life exists for him. You were created for him. So this weekend, as we talk about conflict, as we talk about connecting, as we talk about companionship, I want you to know that this is the basis of everything that we say. Your marriage is telling a story. And it's a story that exalts God. Let me pray for us tonight. Father, we are very grateful for this evening I know there are many other things that we could say and that we could bring to the table. But I pray for those marriages that need rest. We're so busy. We're so filled with other things. I pray for that marriage that needs rest. I pray for the marriage that needs repair. There's hurts. There are things that need to be forgiven, need to be discussed. I pray for that marriage that needs recreation. (laughs) They're just, Lord, help us to have fun. So where we are, Lord, in every stage, my prayer is, is that you would do a miraculous work this weekend. It doesn't take you years to transform a life. You can do it in an instant. And so we pray. I I know there are some people crying out to you on the inside right now saying, Lord, help us. I want that to be us. Hear their cry. Hear their prayer. Do what only you can do. For that man who is sitting there saying, God, I don't even know what I think about you. But if you can work in our marriage, I'm open. I know someone's saying that, so I I pray that you would speak to him this weekend. for the marriage where they continually hurt each other. And they've tried so many different things. May this be the weekend that you do a miracle for them. All over this room, you're at work. We can tell.
you're doing your thing. You're awakening hearts. You're giving hope and refreshment to all who are weary. You said to come to you, all who are weary and heavy laden, and that you would give them rest, uh, take your yoke by faith, that they would partner with you. You would bear their burden. And so in these two or three days that we're together, Father, do what only you can do. Transform hearts and marriages and lives so that generations to come will be changed. We thank you for what you're going to do. By faith, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.